0: Thank you for listening to the collective church podcast collective is a church for the rest of us Which means if you've never been to church walked away from the church or are struggling to find a church to connect with you belong here There are so many great things going on at collective right now So make sure you are following us on social media at my collective church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into sunday's message My first ministry job was in Cleveland, Ohio, working for a church plant called Momentum Christian Church. And I was a creative arts resident, which meant that I did video and graphic design for that church. And this church was a bit crazy because every single week we were producing and making a new video. And so most of my Saturday nights were all-nighters staying up to try to produce and create and edit something in time for church the next morning. And in order to do this, we did a lot of hidden camera style videos. They're pretty popular on the internet today. This was about 15 years ago. Um, But if you don't know what those are, they're kind of hard to explain. So here's a snippet of one of the first videos that I worked on. Um, That's Stan Munson. Uh, He was our groups pastor, and we convinced him to break dance in downtown Cleveland. Uh, I don't remember why he was doing this or why he agreed to do this. Um, but ultimately, this, is, this went on for like eight hours, by the way, to get like a two minute video. You can take that away, we don't need to keep watching that. It is still on the internet, you can find, there's like two and a half minutes of, of that. Um, so we did videos like this all the time. One time, my boss, James, uh, just challenged random strangers to arm wrestle. Another time, the lead pastor dressed up like the Easter Bunny and went downtown and like rapped a song about Easter. Now, before you get any ideas, you'll never see us do anything like this. I will not break dance in downtown Frederick. That'd be terrible. But every time we went to shoot these styles of videos downtown, I was so uncomfortable. I I hated doing this, and not because we were doing anything wrong, but because they always just pushed up against social boundaries. Right, they were just always so uncomfortable. And so these things would happen, someone would break dance, someone would arm wrestle, an Easter Bunny would run around, and then I would be across the street, like hiding in bushes, filming, to try to get people's reactions. And so I'd be like up in a tree or behind a trash can. One time we we had a truck, we drove the truck, and I laid down on the back of the truck and filmed what was going on across the street. The most uncomfortable they ever made me was when we filmed a video that we titled Agent Goose on the Loose, which YouTube has actually pulled, so you can't find it anymore. But for this video, my boss thought it would be a good idea to dress up and pretend to be a spy. And when I mean dress up, I mean wear a long brown trench coat into downtown Cleveland and hang out at one of the busiest bus stops around. And when he pitched this idea to us, I was immediately not about it. Like I felt like this was a terrible idea. I remember telling my boss, James, like we should definitely not do this. Um, You're gonna scare people, and this is not going to end well for us. And his exact words still ring true in my head was, this will be great, Trust me. And so we headed into the city. I hid across the street in some bushes so I could film it all, and this was excruciatingly uncomfortable. At one point, he was shouting descriptions of the people walking past him into, like, the cuff of his trench coat. Yep. Uh, He brought a magazine that he cut the holes out of and was watching people through the holes like an old cartoon. At one point, he had a briefcase with him. He was sitting on a bench. He slid it next to the person, and then he just took off running. And yeah, I know, it was bad. So I'm across the street watching this happen. Um, We're actually, he has microphones on so I can hear him and he has an iPhone in so I'm talking to him. And I was like, hey, we we have to stop. We, We have to stop, this is too uncomfortable. People are looking at you in a weird way. I'm trying to convince him we don't need to do this anymore. But he kept going. And as I'm sure you can assume, because of how shady he was acting, someone eventually called the cops on him. And they rolled up on him with their lights flashing. They jumped out of the car. They're screaming at him to put his hands up. And they told him, you need to open your trench coat. He had clothes on, by the way. Um, But he opens up his trench coat, and there's just a lot of wires because he's mic'd up at the time. Yeah. Cops didn't know that he was mic'd up, so they slammed him face down on the hood of the cop car. And I could hear him, because again, he was mic'd up and I have headphones on, and I can hear him trying to explain to the cops that he was doing this video for a church, but they didn't believe him. And so what did he do? He pointed across the street at me where I was filming. So do you know what I did? I peaced out. I ran, I was not sticking around for that. Like I grabbed the camera and I just started running as fast as I could. I didn't know if James was going to jail, but I did know that I was not going with him. And all I could think about as I was sprinting toward Lake Erie was James saying, this will be great. Trust me. Trust me, Michael. Trust me. (laughs) Today, we are in the halfway point of our Marked series, a series where the challenge is for everyone here to level up their Bible reading. Ultimately, the goal is for all of us to get to a place where we are reading the Bible every single day. And this series comes from the verses that have been shared on our podcast called Your Story Matters. And the last question I ask every single person that sits down with me is, what is your favorite Bible verse? Like, I'll ask them, what are the verses or what is the verse that carried you through the highs and lows of life? What are those verses that have marked who you are? And so what we did is we took all those verses and we put them together for this sermon series. We also created a Bible reading plan that you can find on the Church Center app that DJ just mentioned. You can open it up, scroll down to Your Story Matters, and you can read all the verses that were shared by people in this church. And over the past two weeks, we've talked about how uh, Scripture teaches us a better way to live. And last week, we talked about how Scripture teaches us that we are loved by God. And so here's the big picture for today. If you're taking notes, write this down. Scripture teaches us That we can trust God. Scripture teaches us that we can trust God. Let's talk about trust. Trust is the firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. It is to believe that someone is good and honest and will not harm you, or that something is safe and reliable. And trust is a really big deal. It it really is, because uh, trust can be earned, but trust can be lost. Trust can be given, but trust can be taken away. You can trust people a little, or you can trust them a lot. And I think it's probably safe to say that many of us have issues when it comes to trust, right? If we were being honest with ourselves, we would say that we probably have trust issues. I know that I do just a few weeks ago. My wife and I got a text from two of our closest friends, and they asked if we were free to grab dinner. And we hang out with this couple all the time, but we don't actually hang out without all the kids. And so I honestly just assumed that this was a setup. And so immediately I responded back by saying, if you're taking us to dinner to share any bad news with us, I will stab you with whatever eating utensil is in my hand. And that's because I have trust issues. Right? Even though these people would be people we'd say are in our crew, I just assumed there was a catch to hanging out, and my brain immediately told me that something was up. A few years ago, Pew Research did a study on trust, and here's what they found. They found that 71% of people say that their trust for others is declining. They've actually done this study every year, and that's been true for the last 20 years. Our trust for others is declining. 62% of people said that they struggle to trust others because they believe that people just look out for themselves. 58% of people said that they believe that someone will take advantage of them if they get a chance. 49% of people said that the reason their trust for others is down is because people are not as reliable as they used to be. And if everybody surveyed, only 7% of the people said that their trust has grown over the past few years. And chances are right now, you are judging those 7%. And that is because we have trust issues. We struggle to trust pe- that people care about us. We struggle to believe that people want what's best for us, that they'll be there for us when we need them the most, that they are who they say they are, that they won't hurt us. This summer, my whole family became obsessed with the show Is It Cake on Netflix. Have you watched this show? If you have, you've got it. It's really good, I know. It's wonderful. So the premise, if you haven't seen it, is that these group, this group of like incredible bakers are given a theme or an object then they have to make a cake that matches the theme so realistically that a set of judges can't figure out, is it real or is it cake? And these bakers on the show, they made gym equipment, hats, electronics, even famous works of art that looked real. Here's a picture from the show. This is the Mona Lisa. If he wasn't cutting into it, I don't know if you would know which one was like a replica and which one is cake. And so one day, my girls were watching the show, and our oldest, Elise, started yelling at the TV, the cake is on the left, the cake is on the left. And that's what the judges thought as well, but when the host tried to cut into the object on the left, the knife didn't slice through it revealing chocolatey deliciousness because it wasn't actually cake, and Elise was stunned, like mouth wide open, sitting in shock, and she just kept repeating, I can't believe it wasn't cake. I can't believe it wasn't cake. Her entire world was rocked, and as we watched this, my wife looked at me and said, and this is where her trust issues begin." <laughs> It's like the picture that's going around social media right now of a tape measure, have you guys seen this? Like which one, right you're like, this is why I have trust issues, okay? Here's another one. Uh, this rocked me in elementary school. What do you mean Iceland is green and Greenland is like, that makes no sense. <laughs> 37 years old, still upset about this one. Uh, or how about, how about this one? Have you been serviced service before and gotten this? They're like, here's a million dollar bill and said it's a tract about Jesus. Side note, don't ever do that to people, it's messed up. But this is why we have trust issues, right? Or at least that's what we say. Because of course, our trust issues run deeper than this. Psychologists say that trust issues come from things like low self-esteem, from past betrayals, from mental health disorders, from adverse childhood experiences, from traumatic events, right? The thing is this, there are very real reasons why we have very real reasons to trust, uh, distrust people. Because most of the time, it's because we've been through something. And our trust issues lead to distrust to frequently doubting other people will come through on their obligations, to being afraid of getting too close to others, of feeling suspicious when someone is kind to you. When you have distrust, you feel defensive, you disengage, you become disenchanted by what's going on in the world. You begin to not believe what others say or you always begin to expect the worst. And doesn't that sound about right, especially for those of us who are honest about our trust issues? I I know that's me. And the thing is, I know where my trust issues come from. They come from promises that my parents made to me that they didn't hold true to. They come from my dad walking out when I was in high school. They come from the professor who told me that I didn't have to worry about my college summer internship, then everything fell apart and left me scrambling. They come from the friend who said, I've got your back, but when things got a little bit hard or when they got a little bit messy, he bailed. They come from the boss who said, this will be great, trust me, and then he ended up getting slammed on a cop car in Cleveland. They come from the times I have gotten my hopes up but then have been let down. The times when someone gave me their word and then I found out the hard way that their word didn't carry any weight. The times when I trusted people and they let me down. And I know that all of you have similar stories. In fact, I know that some of you have stories that are worse. But here's the problem when it comes to our trust issues. When we have trust issues with people, we have a tendency to bring them into our faith. We bring these issues into our relationship with God. We actually project them onto God, and what we end up doing is, is we view God the same way that we view the people in our lives that have hurt us, right? We look at God in the same way we look at the people who have let us down, who over-promised and under-delivered, and, and that could be anybody in our lives, anybody in authority. It could be our parents, a former boss, it could be the government, whatever it may be, but because of that, we then have trust issues when it comes to God, And those trust issues are robbing us from experiencing faith the way that God intended for us to experience it. Our trust issues with people are screwing up our ability to grow closer to God and to experience the hope and the peace and the grace and the new life that he has for us. And so one of the things that we have to do is we have to disconnect our lack of trust for people from our faith with God. These are not the same thing. We have to separate these two. And listen, understand, please, what I'm not saying here. I am not saying that scripture teaches you to trust your pastor who trusts God. Some people get so caught up on this Jesus stuff because they have trust issues with other people, with other pastors, with people in authority, and with the church. And then what they do because they have those issues is they push them all onto God and they approach God with hesitation. But this isn't about trusting me or the pastor you had growing up. This isn't about trusting your super holy grandma. This isn't about trusting your parents who believe. This is about you trusting God. This is about you trusting scripture. Now, I personally want to live in a way where you feel like you can trust me. One of the promises I have made to Collective since the very beginning is that I will always be real about myself and this church. But I am a flawed, broken, sinful person who also has trust issues. And so I want to be an example of what following Jesus looks like, but I am not the end-all, be-all. I can't be. In fact, one of the reasons I tell you to take notes every Sunday is so that you can write down the verses that we talk about and so that you can go home and fact-check them. Seriously, I can put whatever I want on this screen, and you guys write it down like it's truth. It's truth because it's from the Bible, not because I say it. You should never just take my word for anything. You need to read these verses for yourself. And I appreciate the trust that you give me, but don't bank on all of that. And the other part of that is too, if you're skeptical about me, that's fine. That doesn't hurt my feelings at all. But do not project that onto God. Do not transfer your feelings about people to God. Psalm 118.8 says this, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. Most people believe that King David wrote this, and here's what he's saying, don't trust anyone. That's not what he's saying, <laughs> What he's saying is trust God above people. Trust God above yourself, put your trust in God. You need to trust God. So let's look at what scripture says about this. Let's look at why we can trust God and how we can trust God. And, and these verses, just like every other verse in this series, uh, these aren't ones that I picked for you. These are verses that people in our church shared, people who have real stories who are a part of this church. These are the verses that marked them that have to do with trust. This first verse was shared by Carlea, who had her father walk out on her, experienced abuse in a previous marriage and battled with addiction. But she's overcome all these hardships and more because of her faith in God. Isaiah 40, 31 says this. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. You will run and not grow weary. Life will be a battle but those who trust in God will get through it. Here's another one. These these verses were shared by multiple people in our church who have struggled with anxiety and self-worth, but have found peace and purpose because of their faith. Psalm 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. We can trust in God because he is going ahead of us, because he guides us along right paths, because he's close beside us in the darkest moments of our lives, and because his unfailing love pursues us. This verse, this next one, was shared by Janine, who went through a very painful divorce, and when she turned to the church for help, they told her that she couldn't come back. But Instead of allowing that to create trust issues between her and God, she knew that God was with her. Psalm 32, 7 says this, For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. When she didn't know where to turn, she knew that she could trust God to protect her and give her victory. The next verses were shared by a person who grew up in this church and is stuck with God through the highs and the lows and someone whose husband walked out, leaving her a single mother, but held on to God and persevered. Psalm 37, five through seven says this, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. This next verse was shared by a guy named Chris who spent years of his life trying, struggling to figure out who he was or what he wanted his life to be. And this led him into a very toxic relationship to drug use and just overall feelings like his life had little meaning. And while being in that place, he was reminded to trust God. And so he walked away from the way he was living his life. He let God take control. Psalm 143, eight says this. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. This last one, this was a verse shared by multiple people on the podcast. A man who had blown up his marriage through an affair, but who God told to repent and work to heal his marriage. A woman who has battled anxiety for years, but has found peace. And a woman who has struggled with self-worth, but found value in God. Psalm 4610 says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Scripture teaches us that we can trust God. And of all the things that I think hold back people in their faith, I think trust is at the top. And so let me ask you this question. Do you trust God? Not, do, you, do you really trust God? Not just kind of trust God, not mostly trust God, not sometimes trust God, not want to trust God when things aren't going well. Do you fully trust God? Do you trust that God wants what's best for you? Do you trust that God teaches you a better way to live? Do you trust that God loves you? Do you trust him? Do you trust him with your marriage? Do you trust him with your money? Do you trust him with that dark secret deep down in your soul that he's pushing on you to bring into the light? Do you trust God more than you trust people? Or do you trust God more than you trust yourself? Do you trust him? And I don't know what your trust issues are impacting in your faith, but I know that they are impacting your faith. They have to be. Maybe they're stopping you from experiencing real and authentic community. Maybe they're stopping you from leading your family well. Maybe they're stopping you from sharing your faith with others. Maybe they're stopping you from picking up the Bible and reading it this week. Maybe they're stopping you from going all in on your faith and getting baptized. I think the reason why so many people in this church have never taken their next step and gotten baptized is trust, because baptism is saying, God, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my soul. I trust you to heal the wounded parts of me. I trust you with my story. I trust you to make me new. And I think the reason why so many people in this church, but more specifically, the men in this church, have never checked the baptism box, at least start a conversation about baptism, is because they have trust issues. Probably from your father. That's just a guess. But someone in your life has let you down, and you project that onto God. And because of that, you are afraid that if you go all in on Jesus, if you go all in on your faith, that God will let you down as well. And so what you do to God is you say, I'll give you some of my time. I'll give you some of my heart. I'll give you some of my faith. I'll give you some of my marriage and my family and my purpose, but I won't give you all of it because I am afraid that if I give it all to you, you might let me down. And ultimately, people are afraid if they fully trust in God, he will bail just like people have in their lives. People believe that God won't protect them, that he doesn't want what's best for them, that he won't actually help them. But that isn't how God works. Scripture reminds us that you can trust God because he will give you new strength. You can trust God because he will pick you up when you are weary. You can trust God because he will show you where to walk. You can trust God because he'll protect you. You can trust God because he is right beside you in the lowest moments of your life. You can trust God because he will lead you to peace and rest. You can trust God because he'll help you. And really, you can trust God because he loves you. And trusting God means letting him lead. It means allowing him to work on your soul so you can heal. It means asking him to guide you and then actually listening to him. It means taking next steps in your faith. It means reading the Bible and applying it to your life. It means being still and waiting for him to move instead of trying to control every aspect of your life. It means leaning on God's understanding and not your own. It means following him through the storms. It means not ignoring that nudge you feel from God on Sunday mornings as you sit in these seats. We have to trust God. When I was a freshman in college, I had to take a class called Old Testament Survey, and one of the assignments was that we had to write a paper summarizing one of the thirty-nine books of the Old Testament. And I'm not really sure how this ended up happening, but I was tasked with writing my paper on the Book of Habakkuk, which I didn't even know was a book in the Bible. But when reading Habakkuk, there was a verse that hit me right in my soul. As a 19-year-old, there was a verse that marked me. And now it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And here's the context for what we're about to read. Habakkuk was a prophet, and he lived and wrote about 600 years before the birth of Jesus. And Habakkuk was part of the nation of Judah, and Judah had experienced a really long time of prosperity through God. But then it all ended. And there was corruption, there was destruction. So instead of prospering, the people were hurting. They were in poverty. They were being murdered at the hands of the Babylonians. And this book of the Bible is about a conversation between Habakkuk and God. Uh, and really, Habakkuk just unleashes on God. He's so upset. And this is what he says, Habakkuk 1:2. Habakkuk says this, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not Listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. So Habakkuk is saying to God, God, where are you? Are you ignoring us? Don't you see what's going on down here? Do you care at all? Where are you? And he continues in verse three, must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. This could be written today, couldn't it? Right? 2,600 years later, same problem, same pain, same types of people. But what I think Habakkuk is saying to God is, God, I don't trust that you care about us. God, I don't trust that you are here. God, I don't trust that you are going to come through for us. God, you've been with us before, but I don't trust that you are here with us now. And honestly, how real does that feel, especially when things aren't going well? Right? when life isn't what we expect it to be and God feels distant or unreliable, when you feel weary but you aren't sure that God is picking you up, when you're being still but not feeling God's presence, when you're asking God to guide your path but you don't have the clarity. And I think this is about Habakkuk having a hard time trusting that God is God and that he is good. But here's how God responds. And this is the verse that I hold on to when I feel my trust for God slipping. Habakkuk 1.5 says this, The Lord replied, Right, so God said to Habakkuk, look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I'm am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Right, God says to Habakkuk, you have to trust me. Trust that I'm going to take care of you. Trust that I am with you. Trust that I will protect you because I'm doing something right now that even if I told you about it, you wouldn't believe it was happening. That's how good it is. So here's the thing about God. God. Whether we trust him or not, he's still going to do what he is going to do. God is still working whether or not we trust him. But trust is the difference between seeing what God is doing in your life and missing it completely. God's still doing it. It's whether or not we see it. God is still going ahead of us. It's our decision to follow him. God's still going to protect us. It's our decision to be protected. God is still going to pick us up. It's our decision to let him. And it all comes down to trust. So do you trust him? In March of 2021, a guy named Ryan Long was driving home from Meteor Crater in Arizona when he swerved off the road and his truck got stuck. Realizing he was in the middle of nowhere, he got out of his car and he started to walk toward what he believed was the nearest town. But after being missing for 24 hours, Ryan's friends and family began to realize that something was wrong, and so they called the police. And the police were actually able to find Ryan's phone number, so they called him in an attempt to figure out his location so that they could come and rescue him. And Ryan answered the phone, but then he refused their help, and he hung up. Countless phone calls were made to Ryan, but each time the phone rang, he hit decline until the call started going straight to voicemail. Three days later, the police found Ryan's body. And when the police were interviewed by the news, they asked what happened. They asked if he had any warrants or any reason to avoid the police, and the answer was no. He wasn't in trouble. He just didn't trust them. He didn't trust that they were calling to help. Now, it's easy to hear this story and think it might be a little ridiculous, but we do this every day when it comes to God. Every day, we have a choice to trust God or try to figure it out on our own. We can put our trust in God, or we can put it in people. We can put trust in God, or we can put it in ourselves. We can put trust in God, or we can put it in our career or our money or our feelings or our past wounds. And when you read the Bible, you will read that Scripture teaches us that we can trust God with everything, with all of it. So the question is, do you trust God? Let's pray. God, I think it's safe to say that um, every single person in here struggles with trust. I don't think anyone at Collective is in the 7% where the trust is growing right now. And the reason we struggle with trust is because we've been hurt. Because people in our life that uh, we believed that we thought we could um, walk alongside, that we thought wanted what was best for us, didn't. And God, we carry those wounds with us. God, we know that that dealing with those trust issues with people is a whole different conversation. But one of the things that we have to wrestle with right now is not allowing those trust issues with people, uh, specifically people in authority in our lives, to impact our trust of you. Because, God, you are not people. You are not like our fathers and our mothers. You are not like that boss. You are not like that friend. And so, God, help us figure out how to disconnect those two things. God, help us figure out how to stop transferring our trust issues with people over to our trust with you because, God, our lack of trust, our distrust with you is robbing us of so many of the great blessings that you have for us, God, of peace and of hope and of joy and community and grace and new life, and the lack of trust is holding us back. And so, God, I pray this week as as people pick up their Bible, as they read these verses that people in our church shared about trust, God, that they begin to trust you more, they begin to understand that you are reliable, that you are with us, that you are going ahead of us, that you want what's best for us, that you do give us these great things in our lives. God, help us get to that place. God, help us trust you enough to not just give you a part of us, but all of us, and see what you can do in our lives. God, we thank you and love you and pray these things in your name, amen.